This is Where the Wild Women Are, a podcast for women who want to connect with and unleash their inner wild woman. A wild woman knows her worth. She is unapologetic with strong boundaries. She's consciously present, authentic, and radically committed to self-love. She is untangling all of the conditioning that society has wrapped around women and is exploring what it really is that lights her up, how she can live life on her own terms, in flow with her beautiful feminine energy. In this podcast, we delve into topics such as living with our cycles and the moon cycles, feminine embodiment, spiritual practices, sacred sexuality, the pressures and joys of motherhood, natural living, and the need for community. I'm so excited to share it with you. I'm your host, Lindsay Dalton. I'm a menstrual cycle and feminine embodiment coach. I'm a birth keeper and the founder of Where the Wild Women Are, a well-being community. I'm also a singer and song leader, and most importantly, a mother of three children. I think you'll love this podcast if, like me, you love to learn and you're interested in living a life more connected to nature, to yourself and to others. So without further ado, let's begin. Hello. So today I'm really excited to speak with our guest. It's uh, Grace Lillywhite. Thank you for coming on the podcast today, Grace. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. So Grace, um, I'd love just to hear a little bit from you, you know, introduce yourself and um, tell us kind of a little bit more in your own words what you do. Um, so yeah, I run a company called Centred Mums um, and I work with pre and postnatal women, um, but also actually most of my clients now are further along than sort of early postnatal and looking to improve their pelvic floor health. Um, so yeah, I've, I have clients from kind of six week old babies up to 16 year olds um, looking to make changes to their pelvic floor, whether that's some of them because they have issues with the pelvic floor, like leaking or prolapse symptoms. Um, but also I have quite a few clients who are just kind of wanting to kind of future proof their pelvic floor, I guess, um, sort of with the idea that I think I think most people are aware that those problems tend to creep in a bit later in life. Um, and the more you do earlier on and the more kind of awareness you have and the more you're able to make changes in how you're using your body, the, the better you set yourself up for those sort of later years when pelvic floor health is sort of quite well known to be an issue for a lot of women. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, I would love to kind of know a little bit about how you kind of came to this work in the first place. What was your what was your story and introduction to it? Yeah, so it's been a bit of a I've kind of gone in lots of different directions. Mm -hmm. I I started off as a professional dancer. I was in musical theatre for not for that long. Um, I went to professional college and then I did a few shows um, and then decided it wasn't for me. And I went to um, I went back to college to do my Pilates teacher training um, with the plan that I wanted to work with professional dancers and help rehabilitate them after injuries because that's mm. how I got into Pilates myself. And then when I was doing my training, I found that I just really enjoyed working with people who actually didn't know that much about their bodies and were kind of keen to learn more um, because I, I really enjoy like my classes and the way that I teach. It's not just about doing loads of exercises it's about kind of education and understanding your body better mm. and into your body um so then I finished college and I, I worked in a lot of different Pilates studios around London and I just sort of always ended up having the pregnant and the postnatal women um as my clients and 
I didn't really feel like I knew what I was doing. So I went and did a specialist course in pre and postnatal and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I don't really know why, because I, I didn't even really want kids myself at that point. I think I was like 25, 26 and I, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't on my radar, but I just really enjoyed it. And, and I think actually a lot of the reason was because it was a time when people were really interested in being educated as opposed mm. to the, yeah. um, like fitness. And I, I never wanted to sort of get people beach body ready or anything like that. Like, it, and, and I would get clients that wanted that from me and I never really wanted to give that to people. And so I think the pre and postnatal period is a time when people are quite open to you know understanding their changing bodies um and then in terms of going sort of more into the pelvic floor health that was sort of a bit of a personal journey really um when I had my babies I then had a prolapse um and it was really I'd worked with quite a few prolapse ladies before that and my really big fear was getting a prolapse and I was really upset and really um worried about mm -hmm. the implications that it would have because I'd always done a lot of exercise and been really active um and but I, what I learned is how much you can do and how much um sort of the maybe more traditional ways of working with pelvic floor the pelvic floor aren't necessarily the most effective ways in my experience um and so kind of as I went on my own journey I then I've just shared it more and more with my clients and I didn't really realize just how much demand there is for this mm. information and it's something that so many people live with without realizing what you can do and without because the information just isn't really there no it's not talked about that much um and it's really yeah, it's really not is it it's something that's not like you only hear very simple messages around it and yet there's so there must be so many people living with this and obviously like you were just talking about there's this preventative so it's almost like do you say this is kind of work that all of us should be doing like that it's like all the time or continuum or how does I mean, that yes I, I think that in an ideal world anyone who's ever had a baby or even to be honest like there's there's actually quite a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction around people that haven't had babies mm. like people that have chronic coughs or um, do a lot of high impact exercise are also quite susceptible to pelvic floor issues mm. um, and so yeah I like I mean I, they're starting I know a women's health physio who's just recently started to go into schools and do talks and wow. uh, the the message is like just starting to spread a bit more but I think like a really important thing that I'd love to at some point if I ever even knew where to start um that that needs to change is GP's attitude around pelvic floor health like a lot of them a lot of people come to me saying that their GP kind of said well what do you expect you've had a baby mm -hmm. um so you know of course you of course you're leaking sometimes and that kind of thing um which is just really disappointing because mm. there is so much that can be done and when you know it's not it doesn't need to cost the NHS loads and loads of money um to allow just to get that education out there um and yeah so I think I think there's sort of a lot of different things that could change um to make the whole situation more accessible to people absolutely and I think like you've talked about before like that body literacy is it's such a missing piece for so many people because like hopefully as you said it's changing but I think we ha do have a very um 
kind of superficial understanding sometimes of our bodies until like you say maybe there's an issue and then you are maybe more open to it or unless you're you know maybe that way inclined where you're kind of you know learning 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 all the time but just so that everyone listening is like really clear because I think sometimes we can be you know talking about the pelvic floor or whatever else and it's still an idea it's not like not really clear sometimes I have this with the womb like I talk about the womb and I talk about what it is where it is because it's just an idea on a piece of paper so can you just tell us what what is the pelvic floor in really simple ideas like what does it consist of it's a set of muscles that's sort of in the base of the pelvis and it's its main jobs are to support our internal organs to allow us to go to the toilet um it's part of the sexual Mm -hmm. organs um and it it's like a hammock so it kind of sits in, in the base of the pelvis and there's, it's, it's got lots of different layers. So again, that's another thing that people kind of think of it often as one muscle, but mm. it's actually lots of different muscles um, that all work together. Um, and it's one of the really big things that I talk about in my work is the fact that although the pelvic floor is kind of one individual area, it it's not, it doesn't work on its own within our bodies. So mm. like everything in our bodies is connected from you know the, the soles of your feet, what's going on down there impacts your legs, it impacts your lower back all the way to the top of your head. Um, <clears throat> and your pelvic floor works in the same way that it's not kind of an isolated place that just works on its own. So how we work and how we move has an impact on our pelvic floor. So I'm getting, I've, I've just kind of gone off the question. No, um, no, not at all. You haven't. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, yeah. Your, your pelvic floor um, has, uh, yeah, so it's, its main functions are supporting the organs, um, your bowel, like, um, supporting your excretion system, mm-hmm. so allowing you to wee and poo effectively. And that's often where the kind of red flags come up. Like if you're leaking urine or feces at any point, that's a really clear sign that your pelvic floor isn't working as it should be. Um, and it's quite useful to be aware that that there's different, like you might only leak at certain times of the month, maybe. Mm-hmm. You might only leak when you do certain exercises or certain movements like, you know, laughing or jumping or running. Um, even if it only happens every so often so you know even if you can kind of excuse it almost by saying oh my pelvic floor is fine I only leak when I you know do a big jump and it's the week before my period Mm. it's still just a sign and it doesn't mean that you need to freak out and I would actually say that nobody ever needs to freak out about the pelvic floor because they're in most cases if you address it early enough there's so much you can do that it doesn't need to become a huge problem Um, but even even if you sort of feel like you're um, like what you're experiencing is quite normal it actually is still worth getting it looked at and there's a a big thing that I talk about a lot is the fact that something can be normal as in a lot of people experience Mm. it um, but it doesn't mean something can be common because a lot of people experience it and therefore we say oh it's normal because a lot of people experience it but actually it's not normal as in it's not something that you should be putting up with um you should be looking at what you can do if you're experiencing any kind of flags that that your pelvic floor is dysfunctional so that as I say that can be leaking it can be feelings of heaviness um and pain in the pelvic area so 
um, like sometimes people, if, if you've got prolapse, for example, often people might describe it as like a dragging feeling mm. or heaviness or like you've got a tampon that's not properly in, like something's just kind of there and you, you can't quite work it out. Um, and, and, and then it also can, like even lower back pain can be a sign of pelvic floor dysfunction. So if there's, you know, if, if like I say, because it's all connected, you won't necessarily experience the issues directly in your pelvic floor. It may be around the pelvis that you that you see the problems occurring. Um, and then when it comes to helping and supporting your pelvic floor, that's an, a really important thing to be aware of is that, for example, by strengthening your glutes, that can, and, and that's kind of your bum, the big bum mm -hmm. muscles, um, that can be really, really helpful in terms of giving your pelvic floor more support and then another thing that is also really worth knowing, like as I, I thought of it, as I said, strengthening, is that it's not just about strength. And a really common misconception around the pelvic floor is that we need really tight, strong pelvic floors. Um, and actually what we need is functional pelvic floors. And mm. that's not just about strength. Any muscle, to make it properly functional, you need to have movement in it and you need length the ability to relax it as mm. well as the ability to mm. relax it so the pelvic floor shouldn't be constantly switched on and tight and so like sometimes people say like when they've had you know they're having problems with their pelvic floor so they kind of walk around like squeezing and just trying to hold it hold it hold it the whole day but what actually happens when you do that is a you really tire it out so that when you do need it it's it's too tired to to do anything but also that when that if you create too much tension in a muscle, then when you then go to contract it, it, it won't tense properly or it, it won't contract properly because it's too tense already. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to focus on the release as much as you focus on the contraction. And that's like that's again like something that I would love for to become more common practice. Like when midwives talk to their pregnant and postnatal clients about the pelvic floor that it's not just about the lift and squeeze it's also about the release and the letting go because if you're not able to release and let go properly then you're actually not going to be contracting properly yeah um, and if if you have any pelvic floor dysfunction you ideally need to go and get it checked out by a professional so whether that's you can if you go to your GP and I would say, like, like I said, that they don't always take it really seriously, but I would just insist and ask for a referral to a women's health physio and not like sometimes they also when I found out I had a prolapse, they referred me to a gynecologist um, and because they because um, the sort of more surgical route if you're not if you're not at a certain point they just are like oh well you're fine because you're not, you don't need sur basically mm. you don't need surgery you're fine go away and do your pelvic floor exercises um but actually when I then paid and went privately to get more support I found out that I had quite a lot of tension in my pelvic floor and you know as a dancer that's a really common thing so yeah. if you've done a lot of exercise in your life you may be holding some tension in your pelvic floor it's also really common um, if you have a desk job, because when you're sitting, your tailbone gets sort of pulled towards your pubic bone, unless mm. you're sitting with perfect posture, um, which ah. you know, I think we can all kind of admit that we probably don't do all the time. Um, 
And when I was talking to a women's health physio during the pandemic, she said that during lockdown, she was getting more people with tense pelvic floors than she had done previously because people were a bit less active, you know, not walking to work, not Mm. just staying at home at their desks all day. Um, So there can be lots of different things that can cause tension in the pelvic floor. If you had a fall when you were a child, even like if you fell, you know, like I had a lady once who'd fallen down some stairs and sort of bruised her coccyx and kind of pulled it inwards Mm. and that caused like an ongoing issue within her pelvic floor and and that fall had happened like 20 years previously to her working with me um so there can there can be lots and lots of different factors that cause that tension um but getting that support so going to see your gp um if i mean honestly i would say if you can afford it the best option is to just go straight to a private women's health physio um you don't necessarily need to go for loads and loads of appointments. Um, Is that something you like self-refer to? You can just contact them directly. Yeah, you can just contact them directly. There's a there's a website called squeezyapp.com, um, and that has a like a directory of women's health physios that Great. work throughout the UK. So if you put your postcode into it, then it will it will open up people. There's also you can go to mummy MOT practitioners. Um, although it is worth with them checking that they do the internal checks because some mm-hmm. of them some of them do like a mummy MOT but it's all external and if you've got pelvic floor dysfunction really ideally you want an internal check um, of your pelvic floor so that they really understand exactly what's happening internally um, and they can so for example if you have tension in your pelvic floor they can do some manual work to release that it's quite uncomfortable um it's you know it's not the it's not the nicest experience but you can like when I've been and had it done I can literally instantly notice yeah. the changes when I leave the leave the appointment um and but they will also be able to give you that really specific and individual advice so you know sometimes you can have more tension on the right side of your pelvic floor than the left side and sometimes you're you haven't got any tension and it's all about building the strength but knowing what it is you need to work on can be really really helpful because it if you if you don't know like you know in my classes for example I do release and I do strengthening so you're always gonna everyone's gonna get what they need but they won't necessarily you know you won't necessarily know what to focus on Mm. as it were um and so yeah having that real understanding and again it kind of comes back to that understanding of your body and that sort of being able to tune into it like sometimes people don't really know whether they're doing a pelvic floor contraction they can't they can't feel their pelvic floor they can't tune into it and all of those things will contribute to how effectively you can get it to work Mm. and so if somebody is um like listening to this and thinking okay I don't necessarily have um like the leakage or anything like that like but maybe they have some I like I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um like abdominal separation or something like that maybe they just don't feel strong in their pelvic floor like it doesn't feel connected yeah so abdominal separation and pelvic floor dysfunction go hand in hand right um there's I can't remember the statistic off the top of my head but the there's a there's quite a high percentage of people who have one also have the other right Um, and and it, but it's all about, and this is a really important thing for, for anyone who's had a baby, but again, I would kind of just say it's useful for everybody to mm-hmm. know, 
um, is that to get our core functioning properly, we need to create a sense of balance through all of the pressures that are created in the torso. So when we move, when we breathe even, it creates a certain level of pressure within our torso. Um, so when we inhale, our breath should move all the way down to the pelvic floor, into the belly and into the rib cage. But it should be well balanced through that. And what happens a lot is that the pressures aren't balanced. And so mm. the breath is either moving too much into the pelvis. Sometimes it's not even going down into the pelvis and it's all up in the shoulders. Yeah. And like there can be all different ways that the breath patterns aren't working well. Um, but whether it's because of pelvic floor dysfunction or abdominal separation, getting that balance will make a massive difference. Like a lot of people with abdominal separation really breathe into the belly um, and like maybe the ribs can be quite stuck. So with every in-breath, it's like all of the pressure is going into the belly as opposed to being evenly distributed through the torso. So a really key thing is learning how to control that pressure and balance that pressure. And then like another kind of myth around postnatal and sort of any exercise when it comes to abdominal separation, pro um, prolapse, pelvic floor dysfunction is like that there's certain exercises that you absolutely mustn't do. Now, there are certain exercises that maybe won't serve you particularly well, but it's not ever because you shouldn't do that exercise. It's because you need to be able to control the pressure that exercises create. So it's not about the exercise, it's about controlling the pressure. All right, so this is the same thing then, isn't it? Like these simplified messages and it's completely taken out of context because that's what I've heard. It's like, don't do crunches, don't do anything that's like crossing the body or... Yeah. And I think then that stops people from doing anything because they're so scared to do... Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually like... I mean, it's tricky. You, you, you know, if you've got a really bad abdominal separation and you can't control the pressure, then mm. you shouldn't be doing crunches. But actually, what doing doing the action of a crunch can actually encourage the abdominals to come back towards each other. It's just that it needs to be done in the right way. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a crunch and your abdominals are pushing outwards, then that means that the abdominals are being moved away from each other and like that's what kind of creates the separation and like right. you can make abdominal separation worse by doing loads and loads of crunches not in the right way but if you're doing them and your belly is flattening down and it's all drawing in and you're you can't feel the separation as you're doing it then that's actually helping to build the strength in that midline and the strength in the midline is what you need to help sort the abdominal separation out yeah um, so, so people kind of really need to, um, I guess that's where like, you know, programs such as yourself come in, come in because there's so much, isn't there, kind of online that you can do yourself and you can feel like, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of sort it out myself. I don't want to be, you know, don't want to make a fuss or this is some kind of idea that kind of just do it by myself. And, but there are, you know, there's bits of the information that maybe are lacking and that having that support from someone who specializes in this, in this field, I guess would be so useful rather than you know maybe trying to work it out yourself and then potentially making the problem worse yeah exactly um and there is so much information like on instagram um there's a really great lady called physio mum um who's a women's health physio who um 
talks a lot about all mm -hmm. of this kind of thing and it's really important to kind of it's, it's tricky because you also have fitness people online who and you know like influencers who yeah don't sort of know about this stuff they just know that their body has recovered quite well so they and then they share what they're doing um mm. and that can be really misleading because it can you know show you know if somebody shows at six months postnatal that they're doing loads of sit-ups and they've got a really flat tummy then it might make people think oh well I need to do that to get yeah. my tummy how I want it to be um but actually it's it needs to you need to be doing specialist exercise basically is the thing um and it and like for me one of the really key things is people understanding what they can and can't do and or what not even can and can't but understanding what is currently working for them yeah. as opposed to just doing stuff because they think because somebody's told them to do it like the more you understand your body and the more you're kind of coached through oh well that exercise works really well because my abdominals aren't doming and I can feel that my pelvic floor is well supported um and then you know working on that and then one of the really key things that I found and that I am I'm really passionate about now in terms of my prolapse is that that fear that is often created which I had for sure when I you know like, like I said I was terrified of getting a prolapse and when I first had it I didn't do I, I was I was really conservative in what I what exercises I did mm. um but when you do that when you, and that's not a bad thing for a while but in the long term if you're if you're fearful in how you move you're like you say avoiding things that can be really good for you um and you're also only you'll only get to a certain level of strength and if you want to for example do more exercise or even just move around day to day looking mm. after kids really because you know if you're if you're wicking a three-year-old up every yeah. day and carrying them around it doesn't matter you know how conservative like if you're if you're doing you know just breathing and engaging everything in a really gentle way that's just not going to support you in your day-to-day -day life like you need to be doing functional movement like squats and lunges and things that are going to allow you to live your day-to-day -day life mm. as, you want to, as you want to live it the thing is we don't do we don't move in the same way as we you know our ancestors would have done you know yeah. we're not on the ground picking up things and squatting exactly. and staying in those positions and we're sitting in these you know chairs and cars and all these different you know and I think our bodies must just be so we're putting them through the ringer aren't we <laughs> really yeah, with, sure. with all these things so I think I, I'd be interesting to know as well like if somebody's just had a baby for example and they've had um, a difficult birth maybe like a prolonged pushing stage or something like this how soon can they start to look for help and start to kind of restore and work um, you know because obviously it takes a little bit of time for swelling and things like this to go down um, like how soon should they would they start to maybe know that there's a problem or would you suggest that they I mean get for in the touch? first six weeks I think it, like the, the in terms of exercise and I say exercise as in like an official exercise class not moving um in terms of exercise the guideline after a vaginal birth is six weeks mm -hmm. and after a cesarean it's eight to twelve weeks depending on the recovery mm -hmm. however something that I feel really strongly about is that women shouldn't be scared to move before they get that 
kind of sign off um mm. and it so there's you know lots of different things that you can do to kind of nourish your body with movement way before the six weeks so you know things like focusing on your breathing making sure that your ribs are moving well so doing things like little side bends little twists to just gently mobilize and allow things to because you you heal when your body is is sort of working well um now rest is really 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 important in those first mm -hmm. early weeks so i'm not suggesting that people need to you know right get up and start moving and you know doing and pushing their bodies at all but making sure that you get some movement into your day can be really helpful so you know and and also like with when it comes to the the heavier exercise start small so always yeah. you're, you always want to be building so you know in the first couple of weeks maybe you might be a bit more still just while you you know depending on like you say if you have a complicated recovery then it may be that you do want to stay in bed quite a lot but moving around for five minute intervals in your house mm. um and just getting some movement in before you then go for little walks and you know on your first walk I think another mistake that is quite common is that it's like right let's go for a walk okay well we're gonna go you know, yeah we've all done that <laughs> yeah um, we've all done that and then realize we get there and you're like I did it oh I've got to go back yeah exactly um so kind of just building so saying yes. right, I'm gonna go for a walk but I'm gonna go literally mm. five minutes just get myself into the fresh air and yeah and then and you know and then the next day maybe oh well I felt okay with that so maybe then you do 10 minutes and and just kind of knowing that there's no hurry with it all no it's working with your body isn't it yeah. rather than pushing against yeah. it yeah um, and, and just really tuning into your body like I think we're something that I talk a lot about in my pregnancy classes is the fact that we're kind of encouraged now to look externally yes for, for you know like in pregnancy it's like will you go you know nothing's okay until you go for your 12 week span um you know am I allowed to have my baby yet at 40 weeks mm. or you know like it's all very it's all it's not there's not a lot of encouraging to tune into yourself and to tune into how your body feels yeah and, and I think that the same goes postnatally that you we kind of like you know say say I'm saying go for a walk you know it, it can be a really good idea in the first week to go for a walk if your body is saying don't I just am absolutely ruined I'm feel mm. terrible I'm exhausted I had a you know I had a difficult birth then actually ignore everything that I'm saying because I'm I I'm an expert in pre and postnatal exercise but I'm not an expert in your body right and I think it's really really important for people to know that they can that yes, it's it's good to know. Yes, getting up and getting moving can be really beneficial, but if you if it makes you feel bad doing it, then it's not what your body needs. Mm. That that's probably quite a good way of thinking about it. Is you know try things. If it if it nourishes you and, and you feel better for it, then great. If it if things make you feel bad, then it, it's not. It doesn't just because somebody's saying this is the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got such a, um, you're right, like it's, we've got such an idea about this kind of almost, it's almost like this prescriptive culture, right, where like, it's an external source has said it, 
that perhaps you know maybe has some more information on it than I do so that's almost like oh well everyone needs to do this and it's not it's just like you said tuning into also understanding that your body you know knows and your body is wise and wants to keep you safe and is you're working together so tune into what your body wants because it it does tell us it it's always talking to us and communicating with us isn't it it's always showing us like I was listening to a Brene Brown podcast yesterday and she was talking about, I mean, it was, it was more about kind of your general well-being, but she was Mm. saying about how, you know, you can watch a movie and it can make you feel, you can just be like, wow, that was incredible. And it it really nourishes you to watch it. You know, you get so much out of it. You Mm -hmm. have really great conversations with people around it, or you can sit in front of rubbish TV that uh, you leave it, you leave watching it feeling really, bad and 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 it's kind of the same principle that it's you know don't think of things being bad because what you know watching a really good movie can be really helpful so saying screen time is bad is not a is not a positive message but also knowing that if you do something you know if you're sat in front of the tv for three hours and you don't you get to the end of it and you just feel awful yeah then that probably not the best way to be spending your time yeah. I kind of think in a similar way to exercise like a lot of women I think like you know when you get into perimenopause and maybe a bit of weight creeps in and people are like right I need to up my exercise I need to I need to push my body if you're doing exercise and it feels and you leave it and you feel great then that that maybe is a good thing for you but if you finish if you go for a run and it leaves you feeling hideous for the rest of the day then maybe that's not serving you. And so it's just kind of tuning into what your body needs again, as opposed to being told everybody should be going for a run, everybody should be doing this. And, you know, like I'm sure you know, in terms of like your cycle, Mm -hmm. there's certain times when your body responds really well to certain things. And then, you know, maybe the week before your period, actually you want to be doing really nice, gentle, restorative exercise um, as opposed to, trying to force your body to do things that it's not really designed to do at that point in your cycle yeah absolutely we're not we're not linear we're not needing to do the same thing every day and obviously what's going on in your life or if you're run down you've got you know you've had a bad cold and you're recovering or you know you've not been sleep obviously with mums if you've had a really awful week with sleep deprivation then obviously your body's going to need different things to if you know you've been feeling actually you've got a bit more energy or and also with this with the seasons too we feel it you know with the actual external seasons not just our inner seasons in our cycle but you see you can feel that as well you know in the winter your body wants to move in a different way your metabolism is different so it's all kind of exactly what you're saying tuning in to your body but also learning your body because you can only tune in and make choices when you understand and are able to to have that awareness and yeah. you know what I'm saying like it goes there's intuition but there's also this body literacy and awareness piece and I think they have to go together yeah. with that with that wraparound support because otherwise one piece on its own isn't enough you know yeah, exactly and I think that's and that's where I'm so passionate about the education of it mm. so that, you know if you've got the information then you can tune into how you use that information but if you don't have the information then you just you, you just kind of a bit lost 
Yeah, absolutely. So what are some ways that people can kind of start to pay attention and maybe make some changes? Um, Because I I imagine like listening can feel a bit overwhelming sometimes thinking, okay, well, I need to do all these things. I don't know where to start. Um, So as I said, my big thing, if you can go and see if you if you if you've got concerns, go mm-hmm. and see go and seek support. So whether that's your GP, a women's health physio, or a women's health osteopath, okay. um, they that's kind of ideally your first step. But if that's not an option immediately, or you know you've already done that, or you're just looking for you know you maybe don't have any symptoms, but you're just kind of interested to make some changes. However, one thing that I would say is that. In like the gold standard of care for postnatal women is to get your pelvic floor checked. Um, in France, it's at six weeks, everybody gets a proper examination and a proper rehab program for the pelvic floor. And that's ideally what we would have. And we don't have that. So even if you don't have any symptoms, if you've never had your pelvic floor checked, I would recommend if you can afford to pay to have it done because you won't get that on the NHS. Um, mm. That is a really good idea. But then moving on from that, like a really simple thing to do is to think about your breathing. So if you bring one hand around your rib cage and one hand onto your belly, and just notice as you breathe in and out what happens, like does your rib cage move at all? If it doesn't, then you need to try and work on getting it to move so that you're, again, like I said, so that some of the pressure that's created with your breath does go into your ribs and so it's not all going into your belly um, and th- ways that you can do that are things like side bends and little twists um, so you know lift one arm up and reach over to the side and then you can stay there and take some deep breaths mm. and breathe into the rib cage in that side bend and those kind of things they can take some time to change so it's not that and with your breathing I think it's also really important to know that you're not breathing wrong you're just breathing in a way that is maybe not serving you the best way it could mm. and you don't need to change it today but just bringing your awareness to it can help and you know like something that I suggest that my clients do a lot because you know most of my clients are busy mums they don't necessarily have loads of time to do loads of exercise um, but each every night when you get into bed just take 10 deep breaths and you know I think there's I mean, I'm sure that you talk about this kind of thing, Lindsay, like the, the benefits of that yeah. are just, there's there's so many different places that that will bring you benefit. So in terms of kind of a meditation type action, um, in terms of the, you know, increasing your oxygen and so on, but then also if you can kind of bring another factor into it, which is where is your breath moving? So trying to make sure that your breath is moving in a nice balanced way through your torso. And then also imagining your pelvic floor. So when you breathe in, your pelvic floor moves down and releases. And when you breathe out, it lifts up and contracts. And Mm. that can be really, that can just not mean anything. Um, You know, it can feel like, okay, I I just don't even know what that means. Um, But if you start to do that 10 breaths every night and just, you know, it might be at the beginning that you're just imagining it, that you can't actually feel it. But in time, you will start to feel the movement of your pelvic floor when you breathe. Um, And that I had a really lovely email from one of my clients this week saying, 
I was lying in bed and I finally felt my pelvic floor move and I'm so excited I can you know I, I feel like I'm really getting there and it it's again like having that sense of feeling your body and knowing it's just really empowering and really important you know our pelvic floor it's like our pelvis is just such a key part of us as women you know Mm. it's just so it's so important to have that connection there I think um so yeah like I say like on a muscular level there's benefit but I also think there's just benefits in in lots of different ways um, and then coming to the breath again, when, so as I said, when you breathe out, your pelvic floor naturally lifts and contracts. So in Pilates, we use the exhale to do a lot of exercise. So for example, if you're lifting one leg off of the floor, you do it as you breathe out. So you right. breathe out, lift that leg. And then as you add the weight of the leg, your pelvic floor lifts, your abdominals draw in and that allows them to strengthen in a way that is controlling the pressure that's created through so as you move your leg um so day to day you know if you've got young kids when you pick them up do it as you breathe out because that's then giving you a little bit of extra support um Mm. and what we want to do you know like I said earlier that that feeling of like well I need to squeeze and lift my pelvic floor all the time like if you're just using your breath effectively you don't need to do those kind of forced actions because your breath and your body will will do some of the work. However, again and again, this is a bit of a sticky area to talk in a really generalized way, but it can be beneficial for some people to add in a bit of a contraction. Um, mm-hmm. Like if your pelvic, you know, if your pelvic floor is really weak and just doesn't contract particularly easily on its own then connecting to it and switching it on as you breathe out can be really helpful. Um, But yeah, it's a little bit of a sticky area because that's not going to necessarily serve everyone to do it consciously. But to do what what, something that I work with a lot is the unconscious contraction of the pelvic floor. So, you know, a Kegel is a conscious contraction where you lift and squeeze. However, there's loads of movements that you can do and there's movements you can do day to day, but also like specific exercises that you can do that cause an unconscious contraction of the pelvic floor. And a lot of those movements that when they're coordinated with that exhale, Mm. they give you a much stronger contraction in your pelvic floor than a Kegel does. Um, There was a study in 2016 that showed the percentage of contraction that these exercises gave this makes them more effective than kegels so for example if you do a lunge it gives you a 42 percent stronger contraction than a kegel does wow. a squat gives you a 30 percent stronger contraction a cat so if you think of, i don't know if anyone's done yoga like if you're on all fours you exhale and you round your spine and that gives a 52 percent stronger contraction than a pelvic floor oh no sorry a 41% stronger contraction. Gosh, that's um, huge though, huge difference. And, and then a bridge, so that's lying on your back and lifting your bum in the air, gives a 56% stronger contraction than a Kegel does. So if you think of how, you know, it's just it's just a bit of a no-brainer to be doing those wow. things. You know, either, you know, some people do them instead of Kegels, some people do them alongside Kegels, depending on what it is that you need. Um, but I think also something that I find quite important is 
because I think with Kegels and you know that lift and squeeze contraction it it's really boring and it takes mm. a long time to get those results whereas when you are doing you know when you're doing a bridge for example like you'll start to hopefully get a burn in your bum and the backs of your legs and you and you're strengthening globally and again like you know the the feedback that I get when I'm working with people is oh I signed up for this course because I wanted to strengthen my pelvic floor but my whole body feels yeah so much better. and that's what you really want to be looking at is the it's your pelvic floor is part of your whole system it's not just the pelvic you know it's not just one isolated place that you should be working on its own you should be thinking about your whole body and looking at your posture your movement patterns day to day the alignment of your legs the alignment mm -hmm. of you know, what's going on in your feet there's loads and loads of different things that come into play and when you look at it as a whole you can get really amazing results yeah because it's sure it's not just the like you say it's not just the pelvic floor health in itself it's your whole body health and how you know everything um, is aligned and then also I'm thinking about like with um, menstrual cycles I know that people when they're working with um, the pelvic um, on the pelvic floor they're then um, also their ligaments and everything are more relaxed and they're able to yeah. balance out and everything so even like period pain and people who've suffered with like for example endometriosis or something like that can actually see overall um, more beneficial health and then of course your sex life and that the quality of of that as well and your pleasure because if you're having all these symptoms that's going to impact so much I imagine and if you know yeah, if you're pelvic floor really yeah as well but I imagine that if their pelvic floor like if it's having um if it's having difficulty then reaching orgasm might be more difficult is that right or am I wrong I don't know to be honest but I would imagine it would make sense like if you've got a if your pelvic floor is really tense then I it, I can imagine that it would but I I don't it's not something that I've ever learned about properly but I, I imagine like if you're having leaking and things like this, then I mean, this is what I hear from women that I speak with, that just the the overall experience, like you're going to be less confident, yeah, yeah, of sure. course, you know, to, you're going to be worrying about about leaking and about all of that kind and of stuff terms as of well. Sensation as well, like that, you know, that it, you're going to have the when it's all very lax, you're going to get less sensation sexually. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been so informative. I've learned stuff. I mean, I've listened to your webinars before and, and spoken with you before, and I always learn something new from you. It's so um, fantastic to to listen to you and to learn about this. And it kind of makes me angry, you know, hearing those statistics. And I think, gosh, but why are we still getting this simplistic message? It's almost like, oh, women can't be trusted with the truth. We'll just give them a really dumbed down version that doesn't even make sense. And it makes me kind of angry um, when I hear you talking about all these other things that work, um, you know, that it's actually a bigger picture. So it's really good to, you know, get your perspective on it and hear your advice. Um, so how can people find you and how can people work with you and um, tell um, us all of that? So my website is centeredmums.com. Um, my Instagram is centeredmumspilates. Um, we'll put all that in the show notes as well so people can find you and do you work with women um like one-to-one -one or in a group basis or yeah program? so i i have different options um i i'm based in st albans in hertfordshire um and i work in person there but i also have an online group program called pelvic floor confidence um and that is it's all online it's based around doing 10 minutes a day 
um and then there's coaching calls and things like that on top of that but that is I'm um, it's quite new I just started teaching in January and it's really exciting because it's mm. I'm getting just such brilliant results from it um so yeah that's I mean you know if you've listened to this episode that's going to be a great way for you to work with me but just get in touch if you've got if you're interested then I can kind of you can let me know what it is you're looking for and I I do one-to-ones as well I have a studio at home I do one-to-ones online as well if people want that um so yeah there's lots of different options amazing thank you so so much for coming and talking today and it's been a pleasure to have you thanks Grace (laughs) bye Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that, I would love it if you could give me a review. Reviews really help the podcast to be seen by others so that more people can listen to Where the Wild Women Are. We also have a a free Facebook community that you can find. It's at Where the Wild Women Are. And we have our Instagram as well, which is wherethewildwomenare.community. I would love it if you could come over and say hi and let me know that you've listened to the podcast and if you've enjoyed it. Have a lovely day wherever you're listening. Follow the walk of the wild ones into the woods and the darkness. Rebirth the ways of the ancient ones whose tracks were washed away in blood. It falls to us now to open up and taste beyond what we've been fed. Take up the phoenix fire, cleansing change to light the path instead.